0: I have to tell you, there are times that I do this show, and then there are times that there's a reason why I do these shows, and this is one of those times that there's a reason why I do these shows. I'm really excited about my guest that uh, she's been on before, and, but she's in the process of a whirlwind tour and publishing four books uh, in, a, in the span of like three or four months. It's It really is pretty remarkable. But first, I got to talk to my friend Eric. How are you? Hey, buddy, I'm doing well. How are you doing this week? I'm doing just awesome. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful week. Well, it rained today, which <laughs> I I got up and I went, why is the, why is the pavement wet? Like, <laughs> yeah, so we need a little, a little moisture. Yeah, we definitely needed that. So uh, very thankful for that. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And is it going to get better during the week or are we going to get, uh, is this going to be a rainy week? How do you mean by Better. Uh, well, warmer, uh, sunnier and, and stuff. Although, you know, this is Seattle. I like it when it rains. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it looks like we've got some, a uh, couple cloudy days here and then some more sunshine towards the end of the week. So yeah, just perfect summer weather here in the Northwest. I, uh, that's why I live No here. heat advisory where nobody's dying from the heat. No, <laughs> like, uh, nothing on fire and, uh, no smoke. So you know, here in the Puget Sound, we have really picked the the best hand of car- cards that you possibly could uh, for the summer in America. I couldn't agree more, and that's that's again why I live here. And uh, and hopefully we can get through August without there being any smoke. We can fingers that. crossed. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. fingers crossed absolutely well eric we've got a, a great guest she's been on the show before and the reason that she's back again is because she's in the process i can't imagine uh putting out four books in like a four month period of time and but it's amazing what she's what she's accomplished and uh and stuff so we're gonna we're gonna talk a great deal about that i'm she just she, i i just love her to death so um it, in in a um, friendly kind of way, if you know what I mean. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's actually get right into it, because um, I honestly believe that the young lady that we're going to talk to now, there's a reason why she's done what she's done. And the reason is that she was told to. And we're going to get into all of that right now. Sonia Pollack is with us. Sonia, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm so good, Kevin. Thank you. I love you, too. I do. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you live in a whole different place than I do. you Are you in Canada?
1: Yes, I'm in Canadian land. I'm in London, Ontario. That's where I'm sitting right now.
0: Oh, very high. nice. And is it what's the weather like there?
1: It's beautiful right now. Yeah, a storm passed through earlier, but
0: they it's we have gorgeous summers up here, so it's nice. Oh, good. They won't let me into Canada, I'm afraid. Oh, and, <laughs> yes. You got to have somebody that invites you in and you got to have a job, you know, because they're they don't want the people like we have in Seattle, which a bunch of people are, um, intense and and stuff on the sidewalk if you can believe it or not yeah. um so in, in any event but I think I'm
1: everywhere i think that's everywhere right now
0: i'm afraid so i'm afraid so but i'm so glad that you're here and by the way ladies and gentlemen i would like i implore you if you are listening to this show call a friend call two friends call some people to listen to the show as well because there's a reason why I'm asking you to do that. It's because um, Sonia had an experience that was really, you would have to say, was otherworldly, mm-hmm. and um, and she is written um, a, a story about. Well, it's it's a story about herself, but it's also about about really humanity and and what we all go through in in the course of our lives. And you can't do it any other way than to do it in chronological order and to do it from when you're a little itty bitty thing to when you are full grown and you're and you're and you've reached your full maturity, which I think, quite frankly, since I have a 35 year old, and a 31 year old, I think it takes till you're about 50 to get to be really fairly mature Uh, in any event. um, Can I can I tell this part of the story? I love this part of the story. Absolutely. Because, you, you know, what's interesting about this, Sonia, is I tell people all the time because when somebody says I did, just I had a conversation with a man an hour ago that is writing a book about the, the uh, uh, pandemic and he's a doctor and what he did. And and he said he said these words to me, he said, I don't know what it was, but it was like the book just wrote itself. I didn't really feel like I was doing it. Just, just appeared on paper and just wrote itself. And, um, and that happened to you because one morning, and this is how I tell the story. You tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, one morning at four o'clock in the morning, you heard a voice and the voice said, it's time to write. Yes. And the voice came from somewhere. And it didn't feel like it came from inside you because you actually heard the voice, yep. and so you 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 got up and you and you checked around your house and in the closet <laughs> that was so funny in the closet and stuff, and then you, you you couldn't find anybody, so you called your therapist at four o'clock in the morning. I, I want did. that therapist. <laughs> she texted you back, didn't she? Yeah, she did. And what did she say?
1: She said, what did they say? Uh, Because I said, I thought I had schizophrenia because I heard a voice outside of myself. And she said, what did they say? And I said, they said it was time to write. And she said, then go write.
0: The most profound thing that I can think of for somebody to say is, well, if they said so, maybe you should. Yeah. And So pick up the story from there. So it was four o'clock in the morning and you decided that you were going to honor what had been given to you. And so you started to write.
1: Yeah, I just sat down. I sat in a chair. I lit a candle. I said a prayer. I asked that whatever would come from this would be for good, that it be to do something well for the world. And I just held that pen over the page in my journal and there was was an empty page and I had an empty mind in it and then I just wrote leave the little light on by Sonia Palak it was March 1st 2020 because I wrote the date down and and then I thought okay and like I said before so what that's what I thought so what that was literally the thought in my mind and because I I didn't have one thought to do any of this and I and then it just said Athena took the great painted stairs one step at a time. And I I just paused after that first line. And I thought, oh, Athena, that's a nice name. But I had no idea where that came from. I, I had no concept of Athena or what the story was. And it just started to come out of me. I could see the page as it wrote itself, the visual of this little girl walking down these stairs, painted steps. And right away, halfway down the page, I recognized it was me. I was three- I was in our childhood home i was going down the stairs and i just kept writing it was the whole scene of this trauma i guess where um i was supposed to go get my dad across the street and he backed into me with his cigarette and butted his cigarette out on my wrist and then said to me you know you're fine stop crying it doesn't hurt you know brushing it off what are you doing here anyway and uh you know that sort of set the tone for the book it's sort of like The synopsis of trauma of a a sort of brainwashing that we've all been through is, you know, invalidating your feelings um, after you've suffered something and then going one step further and being blamed for it. And that writing just ended. It just I wrote for an hour. It was the entire first chapter and it just stopped and uh, it came to a very nice conclusion. And I thought, oh, like, you know, like a short story or something like I like I thought, oh, okay. And I just shut the book. And it was five o'clock in the morning, which is usually when I would get up to get ready for work. So I went to work. I just got ready for work and did what I normally do, which is be an orthodontist in my private practice. (laughs) And so I just went and did that. And I never had a second thought Uh, that whole day. I didn't tell anyone what had happened to me. I I didn't know what to make of it still. It was so strange. Um, It was unsettling. And I just kind of forgot about it. Mostly once I started into my day, I totally forgot about it. And I really didn't think about it that night. I went home, I went to bed. And the next day at 4am, my eyes opened. It was like I, I was awakened by the thought. Now, I had the thought the second day. I never had the voice again in my ear, but it was sort of inside my head planted there. It's time to write. And I thought, I don't even remember what I wrote yesterday. I, could, I couldn't I could tell you totally that story, what I just wrote down. But I thought, okay, I got up, I did the exact same thing. I set myself up the exact same way. And I sat down, I kind of flipped back and forth on the page. But I thought, well, what, what comes next? I don't, I don't know. And I just held the pen there. And it just, it was like, it just picked up where it left off. And As I was writing, it was like the first time I was, it was almost like walking through it, like a movie. It was almost like I embodied the character of Athena. So it is based on my life. It is based on all the events uh, of my life, but it reads like fiction. It's told like a story, so it doesn't read like a memoir. And uh, I I didn't know where it was coming from. Um, Obviously, it was something inside of me um, and coming through me and just, it just flowed out like effortlessly and every day. I mean, I wouldn't, I would say like COVID hit and I had a lot of resistance to writing the first book, this book here, this one, like I said before, this was the hardest one to write for sure.
0: Which see. is called leave the little light on
1: book and... one, was here. book one is Windsor. Ah. Yeah. And that book wrote from the age of three till the age of 18.
0: And then the second book continued on with her life story and so mm-hmm. forth and, and all the way. And then you were, you were told that, you know, you, because you were writing every day and you were getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day on your birthday, at Christmas, yes. on New Year's. If you'd, be, if you'd been out partying with the girls the night before, you still mm-hmm. got up at four o'clock in the morning and wrote.
1: Yes, I committed to doing it. After, like, I resisted, my face broke out in some eczema. And the words just got all jumbled up in my head. Like I couldn't operate my day if I didn't sit down and do that writing. And so I just sort of made it like a deal with God. That's kind of how I looked at it. I was yelling up at the ceiling, just, you know, I'm going to do it. Just get rid of this off my face. I'll sit down. I promise. I promise until it's done, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it out. And what I thought was one long book in four parts was actually four full books. So I didn't realize how much writing it was. I just simply wrote every day from 4 a.m. till 5 a.m. And it went for 15 months straight. And every day pretty well was one chapter. It, it was the entirety of a chapter that was written like a and um, and then it would end. And so when I dictated and typed it into the computer is when I realized, oh, my goodness, these are four books for like a series, like of, of four books. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of a shock to me. I knew it was long. I mean, I thought this is one long book. I mean, this is really long. I don't, <laughs> I knew it would go until she was 50. You know, I, I had the sense that it was going to go until she was 50. And, and like you said, it, the books go in chronological order. So they follow her right along. I would try to speed it up like I would try to jump ahead and it would just cut me off. It would just the words would just dry up. It wouldn't let me change the way that it was being delivered to me, I just had to simply have the patience to write it down step-by-step all the way through. And, um, it took a tremendous amount of discipline. I can tell you like it was legitimately the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to sit down every day and write those books.
0: You know, what's interesting for me is that, I when, when we booked this, the pre-interview, and what, what I do, if you want to come on the show, that's great. I do a 15-minute interview to make sure that you understand what we're going to do and how it's going to work and all that kind of thing. And so you and I did that. And But nowhere does it say the name of the main character of the book in, the, the, in what I read. And I get messages also. From, the, from beyond, from somewhere, that tells me that there are times when I need to act and there's things that I need to do. The character that you chose, the name you chose, is my granddaughter's name.
1: Oh, my goodness. Athena. I didn't know that. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> and it's not, well, It's it's in my world, that's how it rolls, which is why I wanted to talk to you again about the process of of it and and how it all worked because i believe that we get messages from another source from the source from the universe from god whatever i don't care what you call him uh or her um but you get it continually and that's why number one the name of your book is leave the little light on which denotes that scenario of always being aware of that, you have this little voice in your head. But when so when we taught, it was like, okay, I'm all in. I, I I need to support this person. I need to support the work she's doing and the and the work that and the books to the best of my ability. Haven't had a chance to read them yet. I have no doubt that I'm gonna fall in love with them and that their the message in them is of pure love.
1: Yes. I think that the books are a new love story for humanity, that the movement is from One that we've been conditioned to believe, which is true love, happily ever after, the princess tale, which is selective, which is only for a few chosen few and implies, you know, you need saving and and you're in peril to one love and peacefully ever after, which is for everyone. That's how our story ends well. And that is in everyone for themselves to to be, and when we see that one is a is a story, it's just simply based on on judgment and conditioning and exclusion and fear and separation, and the other is based on oneness, wholeness, harmony, um, wellness, peace, joy, celebration. I mean, these two things do not resemble each other, and yet we're all committed to this idea, you know, and and Athena in the book is a hundred percent in, like book two just dropped, it's on Amazon, and it's available now, and that is the start of, you know, from 18 to 24, the start of her romantic journey, and it's really where we see her sort of indoctrinated into this princess tale, and full-on buy-in, like she's going to be the one she's going to have a happy ending and live happily ever after and uh what that does to her you know that belief
0: that is um for most of us that just ain't the way it works you know (laughs) what i mean (laughs) you know what i mean because it's not it is we don't i know a couple of folks that fell in love with their their mate in in high school and they've been married for 40 years i know like two uh, the rest, the rest of us have been divorced several times, or or whatever it is, and a lot of it is that we we lack, and I think we're told to this. And tell me what you think. I think we're told that we are not lovable in a lot of cases, or that we're not good enough, or we don't love ourselves because we look in the mirror and we see our flaws, or whatever it is. Is that is that a thing? Of course, I mean, that's
1: completely, you know, outlined in these books. I mean, anyone that grew up in the 70s and 80s, it was an unkind time from, you forget, you didn't have to look outside your door, probably right inside your home. You know, the way that we were parented, the way that our siblings treated us, the way then that your friends treated you. um, When you walked outside your door, society, media was extremely hard on people very judgmental it was what's hot and what's not i mean they they would drive celebrities to suicide you know with their alienation of them and just you know you were cool yesterday but now you're not it's sort of like you had to tread very carefully you had to belong somewhere and for sure every time you would have you know i think in the 70s or 80s anytime you would have said like if you'd been self-proud you would have been full of yourself I mean, there was no way that you could have ever navigated that. You couldn't have any sort of emotion about being like well inside yourself. And so you had to believe like in order to be humble, you had to be self, you know, self critical, which is nonsense. And it's it's sort of but this these are the beliefs, like when you're developing your own belief system, again, in that time frame, there's no therapist, there's no child helplines, there's no there's no parenting classes. This is simply, you know, you alone as a child navigating an adult world where you don't have any rights, you don't have any say, you don't have any business doing anything that you believe in. You just have to fall in line and get with the program and behave yourself. And if you do that well enough, we'll take you in. And if you do it really, really well and you're qualified in all these ways, we'll elevate your status You know, and those are all the ways that in those timeframes, it was very, very um, obvious that there were certain characteristics of that you could judge on someone's vessel straight up outward that said, these are the reasons we like you more. These are the things that will get you in the door. These are the things that will get you promoted. These are the things that will get you accepted. These are the things that will get you loved. And that is simply brainwashing. Because none of that is loving. None of that kind of thinking is, has anything to do with love. We, that is simply creation of fear and separation. That is to say, how do I measure up? Am I skinny enough? Am I, am I rich enough? Am I white enough? That's what people in the 70s and 80s were, were talking about and thinking about and judging everyone else off of. And in those ways that we could say, oh, these are not well ways to be. These are This isn't how we should act. No, but it's how we did act and how society acted with us in it. And if you never had a moment to even process as a child, this is the framework that I developed. These are the things that I put in there and believed and I rejected this idea, but I took this one and I and then I kind of tweak, tweaked it a bit and I made it my own. Um, but in all those ways, as soon as we accept that we will rely on judgment to gain acceptance, we've lost our way. Like we are on the wrong path. We are not in pursuit of love when we go down that road. We are simply walking in fear and anxiety. And yes, we can get good at judging others and we can get good at, at developing, um, sort of cocooning ourselves and saying, well, I'm with this person. I'll take this. This is good enough. This is good enough because it's safe for me. But it isn't actually the feeling of safety that love brings. It's simply that you're not um, without so that you're, you're not alone. That you're not rejected, that you're you're not loved or you don't belong anywhere. Because as human beings, we have to belong somewhere. We have to. And so it's a part of our DNA uh, that because we are one love. And so we are continuously drawn into the circle of of love and wanting to be a part of it and to go home to it and to to be one and well with others. And so when we stray from that, we we go towards darkness and we, and we develop fear and we develop anxiety and we suffer and we suffer. And this is simply a continuum of suffering. As, as we all know, this is all like life is it's hard. And we were, we were taught that. We were taught to expect that it's dog eat dog. It's the only, the tough survive. What doesn't kill you makes it stronger. You're going to make it, you know, and that's, and that's the grit that you use to, to prove yourself and, You never had to prove it. You you never had to prove anything. You never have to earn love. You are love. The second we land on this planet, we don't have to prove ourselves as humans. We don't have to earn the right to be here. We are full on equals. We don't have to get old enough to be equal. We don't have to have a certain amount of money in our bank account or a certain type of education or any of it. We are equal. And if human beings could pause just for a second and ask themselves, what belief system have I adopted? What belief system was given to me? What did I siphon through and take into myself? And what am I relying on to make my decisions and my judgments from there? Because if you're judging yourself, if you're hard on yourself, if you're not loving to yourself, you can't possibly be loving to others. It is all because we're one. If you have mean talk going on up here and you're negative to yourself, that's that's to the extent that you can love another human being. You can't argue with me that, oh, you love others, but you're mean to you. You might do nice things for other people. You might have acts of service and do something kind. Yes, an act, act of kindness, but doing something is not being
0: loving and sometimes we do those things because of the expectations that we put on ourselves that oh we have to do the right thing or we have to do the nice thing rather than it's genuinely part of who we are you know there was a song in the 70s and 80s that that uh, described that fairly perfectly i don't know if you remember this song it's called oh lord it's hard to be humble when yes. you perfect in That's- every way That's- <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's I wasn't that
1: country. big on country because I was sort of, you know, that wasn't cool
0: <laughs> yeah. no, it was an old country song, I can't remember who did it, but uh, um, but that's, that's, I think it was Mac Davis or somebody but anyway, but that's the how we have that's how we're taught to behave oh, be humble, do not do not exude who you really are because people will think that you're full of yourself and so just don't be don't be who you would, who you believe you to be. uh, Believe who, what other people expect you to be. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. But in the, if we would lose all of this um, arrogance is like insecurity. It comes from comparison. These are two of the same things. I mean, if on one end you have arrogance where I'm comparing myself to you, I'm better than you. On the other end, there's insecurity. I'm not as good as you. If you just cut these two arms off and we say, well, well, let's lose comparison and just be in your own zone. Whatever you fill in, in this aura, in this surround of you, it should be the most loving and kind way of being. You do not deserve any sort of meanness. The world could line up and you will run into people who will tell you what they don't like. But you don't, you should never be picking up those words and making them your own. And we've done that because out of a feeling of necessity that we don't want to be mistaken for being arrogant. But this is simply confidence. This is simply, I love to be me. I love to be in this body as myself. This is my vessel. It's holding me on the planet. And I'm having the experience of living and being in this body, it's fantastic. I hope every person could celebrate themselves like that and the essence of being, because just being is fun. And you have five senses to experience this whole plane and it's magical. Yet in that way of of where we've lost that that sense of like this is arrogant if you say I love being this. Okay. And then we've replaced it now that the the kind of this To me, it's just another, it's another leg on this journey of trying to tell people you're enough. You're enough, Kevin. You're not enough. You are everything. And I say this to every patient that I see, but the vessel that holds a person's energy is a perfect recipe. There is nothing that is too much or too little. They are exactly by design different from every other human being. They are a one-off original and to lump people together because of the external that we match somehow. So we're going to take all women and say, you're all like this. We're going to take all people by skin color. We're going to cut you into groups. And then we're going to take people by like, uh, you know, height or weight. And we're going to judge you like this. We're going to say, you're all like this. No, no, no one is like another person. Everyone is original. Everything they do is original because the energy filters through an original house. The vessel is divine. And it is everything. It is everything.
0: And and by the way, I you know, this this the show sometimes is just too short. You know, we've been talking for 30 minutes, it feels like about five.
1: <laughs> Have I mentioned I wrote some books? <laughs> yeah.
0: she's written some books and you can go to uh uh, sonyapollack.com and by the way that's a beautiful little puppy dog that you got there um and um you you can find out all about her you can order the books you can buy the books um there's even a podcast that she did with me before and that's up there too so we i just thoroughly enjoy our conversations and uh the name of the book is leave the little light on Sonia Pollock and uh, you just need to get the book and that's all I can say and we need to take a quick break because I have to and then when we come back I want to talk to you more about the process that you went through and and how determined and doggedly determined you are to see this project through we'll be right back you're listening to positive talk radio on KKNW 1150 AM. Take it away, Eric. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we will lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio.
1: when you want to say more than words communicate you can with flowers your custom boutique floral studio in bothell washington is a anaturaldesign.com connecting you to nature through the language of flowers where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful your success is our goal A anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash hour-store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at kevin at kmmedia.pro and let's create something great. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Speaking of creating something great, we are creating something great here today, uh, we're talking with uh, Sonia Pollack, and she's the author of "Leave the Little Light On." Book one has been published and is out. Book two, just as they say in the business, just dropped. Yeah, and 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 she she wrote it, she illustrated it, she did the the the, the whole thing with it. Did this all just, did you feel like you needed to do all that or, or did it, did it just kind of come to you? Like the words of the book came to you.
1: The, the visions for the covers came to me like in, uh, like I want to say, like when I was in a, like a dream state, almost like waking up before I would do the writing, I would see the book. I would see it. I would see this cover just like this, I would see this starry night sky with the bedside table and the lamp, and I would see it laid out like this. So I kind of sketched it out. I tried to explain to illustrators or designers, this is what I see like, I have to, I have to do what I'm shown. This, this is how I felt about it. Like I felt I'm being shown what to put on that cover. And that's what I have to do. And I saw all four of them. Um, I saw the dedication that it was for me. Uh, And I thought, I'm writing this for me. So it alleviated some pressure. uh, As far as, you know, laying out this story, I think this was where my resistance came from, uh, that the first book being about my childhood, there was a lot of, I would say, trigger moments in that book uh, of trauma, of shame, of sadness and heartache. And I thought um, that's where sort of shake what your trauma gave you. This whole dis- early discussions are about triggers and shame, uh, because that's something that we attach to very when we're very small, uh, or maybe big adults too. You know, like it's sort of this uh, deep, deep core feeling uh, that, you know, we have a hard time getting out of. And um, And so it sort of brings you back there to that. And you just sort of can walk through the journey with Athena and hold her hand. And I think that in the process of, you know, editing it and publishing it uh, was largely came about because uh, agents that I contacted were like, your story is very nicely written. um, But what have you written before? Do you have a hundred thousand followers on on any platform? Are you you know what writing have you done? And of course, I'm not a formally trained writer. I I said I wrote four books. Isn't that like something? And and they said no. Actually, it's a it's a liability <laughs> because if if it you know, if the first one didn't do well, we don't want the others and so on and so forth. So. You know, it came down to look, if you do that yourself and then it sells these books, we'd like to, you know, represent you. But I knew no matter what that if whether a, a traditional publisher or was going to take it or not, I was going to get that message out. And there was an agent actually who said to me, traditional publishing houses, because she asked, Well, do you have any characters of color or who are uh you know BIPOC and things like that? And I said, Yes. And she said, Well, there's an editorial board that will review that and edit that appropriately. And I was sort of very struck by that because I thought, interesting. You can't, I know the person. I wrote that character like every other character in the book. I didn't think you would discriminate based on anything about who I would write uh, based on the color of their skin. And she was like, Oh, well, it's sensitivity readers and this and that. And I thought, That's part of the problem. We're all human. We're, we're, to be separated and to be treated differently and not understand that when humans undergo anything, they're going to react like humans do. The reactions of people and the way people feel is universal. And that's why people connect to Athena, because Athena isn't written like a hero. She's not a romanticized version of me. She's a real gritty, real version of a person like she's written as a human being. And I think that's why universally people relate to her, because she's all of it. She's flawed and she's well-meaning. She's selfish and selfless. She is brilliant, but also somewhat life stupid and makes idiotic mistakes and choices, but based off of an ill-advised belief system that she's adopted. And, And I think that this is the journey of every person on earth. And I think that based with all of our choices, there is an outcome. And then to reflect on that outcome and and take another step forward. And I think what Athena represents is that energy of love, is that overwhelmingly Athena loves love. She knows that where she's growing up is not loving. And that is the truth that she clings to, that this isn't it, this can't be it because it isn't, it isn't making her feel safe and well. And she, she longs to feel this this and to, to um, have love in her life. And so she's going to find it and uh, wherever that is. And, and these are, this is the journey, is just sort of where she goes and where she looks. So am I inspired to bring that message to the world? Yes, because in my own life, in my own journey of healing, of where I had to look to find it. My life had to burn to the ground (laughs) for me to rise like a phoenix and sort of say, I've done everything I could get my hands on. But why was it so difficult for me to see what was there right all along? And if I could show the world what is right there inside of you, if you could mine the, the richest treasure on earth, it lives inside of you. You are sitting on it. It is everything because you are everything. Love is what matters. And it frees us from what we've been brainwashed to believe, which is that we're enough, that if we act a certain way, we'll be accepted, that living with fear and anxiety and suffering is part of it, and that we will shun all of that in order to just be peace and to to see others help them to alleviate their suffering and this is really where i'm at it's like i will tell the next person and the next person because i i my truest wish is that that people ha- see themselves as they really are and stop suffering
0: you know when you are have four the four books out and you are a new york times best selling author <laughs> <laughs> and, and all and you got more books than you, you know that right yes i I feel I do, yeah, and that's so this is all this is is the jumping off point to a career. I hope you don't like your practice too much because you're gonna be too busy. I um, love
1: my practice, I love my team, I love everyone. And we'll
0: you can still they can still work for you, but you're gonna be doing other things. But and and the the reason that, that and i said this before in our first interview, but it bears repeating. What you did in this book is what is what all of our lives are like. We have good moments, we have bad moments, we have uh problems. My brother hung me by the neck when I was 10 years old. You know, things like that that just happen to you. And but You, As the experiences mount, both good and bad, you gain from them. You gain knowledge from them. And so as you can have the ability, when you've got a little bit more seasoning, you can look back at your life and you can say, oh, that's why that happened. And that led to this, and this led to that. And that's why it is so important that, that your books and uh, get out to people because they can now relate to the fact that that's how life works. And then you love yourself, you take care of yourself, and you be good to yourself. And then as time goes on, you will appreciate all the experiences, good and bad, and because they made you the person you are today.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely it. And I think that the four books um, take, take people on that journey. And that as human beings, we learn best by stories of all the things that I went through in, in my journey of healing. Stories are so helpful when someone would explain this happened to me and this, you know, so and so this, but if you read a book, That isn't about you. This is where we can embody a character that's fictional. If I wrote a memoir and it was in the first person, people can't get past that this is me and you're not me. So you don't relate in the same way. When I would read people's books on healing, I would think, well, yeah, but that's you. I don't think like that, you know. But what's different about a fiction is that when we read a fictional character, we embody the character. We fill in. You know, the saddest thing the, the emotion comes from us through that character for them and then hence for ourselves. And it's a reminder of empathy. It is a reminder that we are one and that we are connected. And so the book isn't like a traditional self-help book. It isn't these are the steps one to five. Do these things and then or listen to the audiobook, pause here and then journal out your feelings, you know. It it doesn't walk you through it like that. It's going to just be another experience and a story that will take you somewhere. So many readers tell me it's like watching a movie. It sucked me right in. It's absolutely gripping. It's such a fast and easy read, and it is. Um, but it's not like a simple read. It is deep and it's filled with wisdom and points that you want to reflect on that you. A, a few of my friends, you know, they'll go back and say, look, and I had to read it again. And when you read the four books, you're going to go back and read them again. Because even when I did it, I was just amazed at when I saw oh, this is how it ends is that when I went back and I thought, Oh my goodness, this, there's so many clues here. There's so many insights that I didn't even pick up on even being the one who wrote them. And then I thought, this is amazing. You know, to, to, what is there for for a human being to sink themselves into and to go exactly as it was when I wrote it, just walk through embodying the character of Athena and, and be in this story and whatever is inside of you, that's unhealed, that is aching, that is longing, that is yearning to be seen, to be heard, that will come bubbling up. And so this is where people have to say, well, I had to put the book down. It was so triggering. It made me cry. The first book will make you cry. It will put you right in your feels. And that's what it's meant to do. It's terrifying to sit with our feelings. And and I understand that. But especially our generation, Kevin, we are just a generation of people who've been conditioned and trained to do this difficult work. We've done everything else on our own. We are very self-reliant. And if you say, this is the terrifying journey that you're gonna have to go on to find the light, to find the love, to free yourself and free humanity and help this planet, it's Gen X to the rescue. Like we are built (laughs) to do this work. It's hard work, but we also pivoted and made millennials. And like I say, that's in itself like evidence that where like we are the intersection like gen x at where the world sort of stopped on the path that it was going on and moved out and is becoming one love and i really and truly feel that in my heart i i hope everyone picks it up and reads them uh to share in this journey that we're all on together
0: i truly believe that we came here for a reason and in my case, I know that the reason is to talk to people like you, um, to provide a platform for people like you to be able to communicate and to get the word out about what's coming. Cause I really honestly believe that we can't continue doing what we do, we're doing. It's, you know, it, what is it that, uh, that old saying uh, it escapes me real quick, but it's, it's a, Oh, uh, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We can't continue to do the same thing and then expect a result that we can all be proud of. And the, the one thing that, that struck me with, with when talking to you is that if we as a society, if we as a people could recognize that we are all one, we come from the same place that doesn't matter if, what our color is, who we love, how much money we make, what we do, we are all one. If we could recognize that, it would change the world in a heartbeat. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. People say, like, you know, there'll never be peace on earth. And if as i say one person if one person is the change you know where gandhi said be the change i i love that statement and i told myself that over and over i thought if i'm not well in myself if i'm not loving on me how can i expect the world to find peace you know if i'm not peace i'm i'm literally riddled with anxiety at at one time and i thought If this is just fear and anxiety, what do I expect out in the world? What's going on right here? And this is what I can control. And this is what I can love and help and heal. Then I have changed the world because I am everything as I am, as are you, as is every single one of us. And so the belief that you alone cannot change the world is incorrect. You are the world. You are an embodiment of all. Because we are one love, and that is inside of you. If you heal that, you have done your part. This is like I'm imploring everyone to say it isn't make someone else change the way they are, it is look deep inside yourself and become the change. Be the change that you want to see in the world. Be peace. And that journey scares us. It's terrifying because at the end of that journey, right, blocking us, is, the, is our deepest fears. And in our mind, there's nothing worse. There's absolutely nothing worse. We would act out. We would go murder. We would go pillage, rape, kill, do all these things that we do, hate on others before we would sit in this terrifying feeling. Of fear. And that is where we need to go. And we need to just literally ask yourself: isn't that possible? It isn't that where we're at, is it's it's all by design. So I mean, we've changed it. We've made it this uncomfortable. We've made it like we've done this to the, the whole operation. We're squeezing it out, and that's how we feel. And we are faced with this now presence of this situation to make these choices. Where do I go from here? Why is it so difficult? Well, it's because as children, we were brainwashed that we could not have a voice. We could not hold an opinion. That's exactly what brainwashing is. It's it's don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. You better not talk back or you got... Corporal punishment, there was a visceral, physical fear of speaking your truth. And so as a generation who's now running things, the large majority is silent. We sit silently because we do not feel that we have the right or the audacity. This generation does not fight arrogance, largely. We fight being enough. We have to convince ourselves that we're enough. It's like you have every right to stand up for yourself and others. You have every right to be loved and to be loved, to feel safe and protected. You, you have every right to speak your truth. Every human being does. They have the right to do this and to explore their feelings as they, as they are ready to. And it's like just knowing this overcoming the fear that you'll be in trouble, that you will have repercussions, that you will create uh consequences. That's the fear that, that largely the adult population has to overcome. That knowing that the right thing to do is to heal and go inside yourself. You're not in anybody's zone here. Go inside yourself and do this hard work and heal the planet. That's the way in. It is in you. You you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in every one of us.
0: You are sensational. I, I just I just have to say, I, thank um, you. <laughs> you are at you are at the very beginning of a a really dynamic uh, presence in the world because this is the message that is so needed. And the interesting thing is that you know like. I like to say, and it's true, I've interviewed about 2,000 people now. And um, for most of the people that are interested in positive change and loving themselves, caring for themselves, we're all saying the same thing. It's not a matter of of you need to change so that I can feel better about me. It's you got to take care of yourself. And the rest of it will take care of itself. And it'll create the energy that is going to be growing and necessary to that the, the change will happen but you got to take care of yourself first and uh and love yourself and and a lot of us because of the media because of magazines because of uh even even things like uh, um airbrushing and, mm-hmm. and stuff has has created a false image of who a perfect human is there ain't no such thing
1: there is kevin every one of us is perfect you're perfect I, well, every no, vessel I, I, is perfect every vessel is designed perfectly
0: yes and no you know you're right and I, I misspoke. <laughs> i'm help me help me i misspoke i'm sorry <laughs> what i what i mean by that is we don't think we are right uh,
1: right we've been brainwashed to believe otherwise but Loving yourself isn't doing something nice for yourself. It's not going to the gym and going to the spa. It's how you speak to you. It's what type of compassion and patience you have for yourself. It's how gentle and kind you are to you. It's how loving you are to yourself in your worst moment when you mess up, when with good intentions, something doesn't turn out or even with poor intentions. And then you can reflect and say, that wasn't good what you just did that you can forgive yourself, that you can forgive yourself, that you've mistreated yourself, that you've closeted yourself with shame, that you've held back your truth and not shared your love and light with the world. And which is what we're all called to do.
0: Exactly. Exactly. By the way, we've been talking with Sonia Pollack, go get her book, leave the little light on there are four of them that are coming out the first one is is out the second one just dropped and then the third one is going to be in september october somewhere there yes i just and then the the fourth one will be out oh perfect pretty and then the fourth one will be out in time for christmas so that you can get the entire set yes you can get all four of them i've got just about a minute left and I want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. I've got about 30 seconds, sorry. SonjaPalak.com
1: is my website. I love hearing what my readers have to say about the books. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under Sonja Uh Info at SonjaPalak.com. And if anybody you know, can just think on one thing, it's that this, you are love. You are love, so never fear. You are love.
0: Again, we've been talking with Sonia Pollack. She is one dynamic personality. She is going to write more books, get, buy these four first. And again, uh, Sonia, thank you so much. And you're gonna come back and we're gonna do some more of this, yes?
1: We are, Kevin, we are. I want you to read book one, so we have some more insight. Okay. Tell <laughs> me your reviews, tell me what you think.
0: Okay. I'll do that. Then, thank you for being here, everybody, and and thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back Wednesday at four p.m. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got.